You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. Honestly, two of my favorite people. This mustache man looking at me across the camera right now in the Zoom meeting, telling you, ladies, this is Texas's most eligible bachelor, Mr. Rowdy Colton. Also joined by the Miss Lovely Justin Rice, who it seriously might as well just be my co-host at this point in time. We're happy to be here. No, you're not. You delayed. I heard that. <laughs> I'm not sure about most eligible bachelor. There's a lot of TikTok fellas out there that are rodeo guys, and they're they're up there, man. So I I'd say I'm in the top 45. The the top 45, you know, that's a big state to be in the top 45. Got to feel good. I'll, I'll take top 45. That's right. I know. I know. I'm telling you guys, watch your moms, watch your grandmas. Rowdy's coming. <laughs> man, my mom's gonna love that line. I I know. She knows. Moms know. Oh, yeah. Moms, she, moms know. know. She, I, I, I texted her about my recent video, and I straight up said, they're, they're, the ladies are loving this one. She's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> so speaking of latest videos, you know, I said when we originally uh, had you on, that's definitely going to have you back. And I said every door in front of you was going to open, and things were just going to grow crazy for you. And so what has happened since you came on? Shoot, man. I think, dang, I think the NRS deal happened after. I'm so jelly. I, I think my NRS partnership happened after I, what else happened? You, you got a, I think you picked up uh, that boot company. I can't remember. Yes. Their name. I picked, I picked up, no, I picked up Quero before. Okay. Yeah. I picked up Quero before. Love their boots. I think NRS was the big one. Um, and then I'm kind of just in the works with a few things here and there, like nothing's like a guaranteed thing, but like, also like, I kind of want to try to keep everything under wraps. Oh yeah. Until, I understand. Yeah. Until, you know, I, until it's a guaranteed deal. Yeah. I have stuff that's in the works and everybody's like, so what you got going on? I was like, you know what? You'll know when everybody else knows. Yeah. I, I think that right now it's just been kind of like a, a patience thing. Um, I don't really have like a, a specific ball cap company that I'm working with um, just because genuinely I love being able to rep just different growing companies. Uh, I, and I, I just love hats. So as many hats as I can get, I'll take them. Well, I've got some uh, Richardson 212s coming down the line here pretty soon. I got to go over and take a look at the art. And uh, anyway, they're going to be leather patched with my brand on them. Oh heck yeah! Um, so I'll send you one of those, buddy. I'll Dude, send yeah. Jess one too. Hopefully, I can give her one in person. We're we're still holding out to see if that's going to happen. Heck yeah! But yeah, man, that's really been it. I think you know, I gained. I want to say I gained about ten thousand followers since the last time we were together for this. Um, 
you know, and I think just in my life in general, like I, I graduate college in like three weeks. So that's just straight up insane. I'm trying to find jobs, which is probably one of the most stressful things I've ever experienced as an adult. Uh, yeah, I, that was literally like, it's, it's been so stressful. Thankfully, my parents are being very gracious and loving and they're like, Hey, you're absolutely welcome back in the house. We just want to know that you're still going to be looking for jobs and you're not just going to be sitting on your butt, which obviously I'm not the type of person to do that, but it just, it's, it's been rough. Rowdy, what are you looking for? So I am finishing my degree in youth and family ministries with a minor in communication. So I'm looking at church work, but I also would love to work in the Western industry. And I think that, uh, that that's definitely like where, what my dream is right now is to work in the Western industry and to work around rodeo or ranches. But I think the biggest thing for me is just waiting for the right door to open because I don't have any experience uh, with ranching. Um, and I don't, obviously I don't rodeo, so I don't really have many, I don't have many feet in the door to like open up those doors for me. So I'm kind of just having to play a waiting game. I applied for a job in Texas. It's a hunting and cattle ranch. It's an internship where they teach you how to do a bunch of stuff, but it's just been a difficult industry to find, try to find myself into uh, when I don't already have people in that industry kind of opening those doors for me. Absolutely. So, so anybody out there in any of the associations, Rowdy's your boy, go get him. Let him be an ambassador for y'all looking at you, uh, reigning cow horse association. I actually applied for an internship for the national cutting horse association. I applied for like an internship for them this summer and they're, they're based out of like Fort Worth, but I never heard anything back from them, but figured I've, I, I've applied for probably like nine to 10 jobs and I've only heard back from one and they were just kind of just turning me down, but it's part uh, of it. It doesn't work till it does. You'll find yeah. something else. Sure. Yeah. Once, once you get in the foot, your foot in the door, it'll grow from there like crazy. It's how the horse industry or the Western industry works in general. Yeah. The, you know, and you were saying that, you know, you, don't really have the rodeo or the ranching experience but one thing i have noticed and me and you have talked about personally is um you've kind of renewed your um let's see how do i put this um renewed your love affair with the horse i have i have i, and also, I am i am here for it by the way oh i got a story for you that you're gonna get a kick out of let's hear it so in, it's, in it's my just horse- me and a few thousand other people Okay, in my horsemanship class, uh, you know, that I've told you guys about, I have I had this little horse that I ride that I've been assigned to and I've learned all about her. And, you know, I've, I've rode this horse for about two months now, so I know how she rides. Like I've gotten used to her, all that kind of stuff. Well, we were told in class the other day we showed up and our professor said, all right, you guys get to choose your own horses. Me being the stubborn little feller that I am that likes to live up to my name. I chose the biggest horse in the lot. And when I say the biggest horse, I mean the biggest horse. This horse is probably all of six foot, maybe. Like the horse is taller than me. I'm still sore from the day of riding him for two hours. I have knots in my back. 
my bottom is black and blue. I'm willing to guarantee. I haven't looked out of fear, but I'm willing to bet my <laughs> bottom is black and blue. I couldn't get in rhythm with him to save my life. I felt like I was on a roller coaster. At one point in the middle of class, I just stopped him in a corner and I was just hunched over. My professor looked at me and said, Brad, you all right? And I said, yes, sir. This is just a lot of horse. <laughs> he lost it. And just for your viewers to know, for the ones that may not know this, your listeners, I'm five, seven, maybe five, six and three quarters and 120 pounds. And I don't use my legs well. You guys match that up with a horse that's almost six foot and about as wide as it gets. That's just not a combination that works out in oh. the rider's favor. Oh, no. I'm, and and the, the touch on that. So I showed up to a good friend of mine, business partner, show buddy. Uh, showed up to her house without one of my horses one day. She goes, don't worry about it. I got to work all of mine. I get there. I'm unloading my tack. And she goes, can you start with this one? And I go, yeah, fine. I walk around to the edge. She's got them actually just out of the barn tied to her trailer. Her trailer's not attached to the truck or anything. She's just got them all tied there. And it's this draft. And I go, Randy. And she goes, what? She goes, I said, you want me to ride this? And she goes, yeah, she's a great horse. I said, I'm not doubting that. And so for my listeners, I think most people know I am five foot five. And my torso is taller than my legs. I, I, I'm all torso here. Like my legs are like 32 inches or something. You know, I wear a 30, 30 in jeans, people. And and I can stack with a 30, 30 on my boots. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I felt like, you know, everybody always said German Shepherds suffer from hip dysplasia. I felt like a German Shepherd when I got home that day. Like, I felt like, you know, you see the old guy over at the at the feedlot. He's all bow-legged and busted up, you know, from, from riding big round quarter horses his whole life. Yeah, that was me. My knees didn't touch for like a week. Yeah, I think that that day while I was riding, I was in pain, but I was just – I was doing, I was laughing at myself to try to keep from crying. And I was just like, I got a cowboy up. I got a cowboy <laughs> up. I got to handle this. And at one point, I, at the end, I was, I walked up to him and I said, Riley. And he said, yeah, what do you need? And I said, I can't do this no more. And he said, you need to get off. And I said, no, I'll sit on him, but I'm not going nowhere. I'm just going to sit yeah. right here. People pick on me because, you know, I like, I like a tall horse. I, I don't like a a big round horse unless we're talking about ponies and i have a pony she's she's under she's under 14 hands she's like she's maybe 13 hands she's i think a little, it's hilarious that you said that because layla's literally the opposite yeah layla's literally the opposite she is she's a she's a potato with four toothpicks for legs except they're big fat toothpicks they're more like you know barbecue skewers for legs um but she is built like a potato um and i love her to death um but my big horse, you know, is over 15 hands and she's half Arab. So she's kind of narrow in the chest. So it's not so bad on me for her. If I ride one of my friends, big paints or quarter horses, I know it. Mm. I am not built for that. And like, like, so Jess here, she's got this big, gorgeous horse. And I can already tell you, I would not. And she's, you know, and it's like the most perfect horse, the way she describes this horse and the way everybody else describes this horse. And even the colors, a big blue roan. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous, and it is built like a Sherman tank, and there's no like way I could brick. ride that comfortably. You could dally off to a house and pull it down. Yeah. Man, she'll, she'll, she'll drag a 400-pound 
bull across the freaking arena and, faster too. And she's deadheaded, right? She is. She's completely she's deadheaded. The she's the best. She'll get up and go when you ask her to, but like we use her for um so I rope on her and then and chase cows on her and then we bring her back and she's a therapy horse. And you could set a bomb off and she just stand there. And see, and I've tried to work cows on my little horse, Roddy. And my my little my little pinto half Morgan, and she thinks of them as like babies, and so she doesn't want to really get after them. She just kind of wants to play with them. My yeah. red mare, she's she comes in two flavors with cows. If they're big cows, she's scared of them. If they're little cows, she wants to bite them. Mm, yeah, I see. My mare's like she sees a cow, she's pinning her ears and she's telling it to get out of her way. See, that's my red mare. My 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 little pinto pony. She she wants to go over there and nuzzle it and and chew on its ear and, and listen. I want to get I want to get hooked up with Skylar and go out there and round up some bison because I feel like my mare would just she'd be like she wouldn't be scared. She'd be like, let's get it. Wouldn't that be a trip right there? Get me, you, Skylar, Rowdy. Let's we go it. to the Great Salt Lake. There's an island in the Great Salt Lake where there's a herd of bison, and this herd of bison. They have to round them up every year and move them to a, a better place to be. And they do this all from horseback. These are wild bison. I'd love to do that. I would yeah. too. I'd show up my yeah. potato mare and just ready with my feet dangling on the ground, ready to make magic happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring a horse for Rowdy. Rowdy, you can wrap out of the horse. Hey, I, I got a roping saddle sitting in my floor right now that was given to me. I don't have a horse to put. Let's on, go. But I got a rope and saddle just sitting here waiting to be used. We'll all go. Sounds good. I was actually, it's funny you guys talk about herding, you know, bison and everything. I was watching Lonesome Dove yesterday. Heck yeah. And I I was bawling my eyes out. There was I was watching it on uh YouTube or whatever, and I just had to shut my computer at one point because I was bawling my eyes out. I was like, it's a Wednesday afternoon and I'm crying over a fictional character lonesome dove is one of the best what first of all that cast you oh. could not you could not have casted oh, that movie any Lord. better We're same way with tombstone you could not cast tombstone any better yeah. just the, the sheer number that they casted of quality characters for lonesome dove is ridiculous just the amount of like stars and just great people that they had for that number of characters is ridiculous yeah and you you would think Duvall would steal that movie, and for me it was not. For me it was Tommy Lee Jones. Oh Lord, Tom, so good. I was thinking about that after I got done watching it, and I just thought about all the Tommy Lee Jones movies that I've watched, like Men in Black. Like just, he's so good. He, he's so good. he's completely underrated for the amount of characters he can play. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great actors that we remember. Uh, especially in Western cinema, but they only played one character, no matter what the movie was. You know, uh, John Wayne was always John Wayne, no matter whatever they called him in the movie. He's still John Wayne. Um, and um, what's his name? It's on the tip of my tongue. He was Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was always Jimmy Stewart. Didn't matter what he was in. He was Jimmy Stewart. Um, and then you get to Tommy Lee Jones. And he can play the good guy, the bad guy, the in-between guy, the soft sensitive guy. You know, you just give him a script and just let Tommy Lee Jones do Tommy Lee Jones things. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's ridiculous. I loved, I think, as weird as this sounds, I love the character development of Newt through that movie. I agree. It really, it pulled on my heartstrings yesterday. It's going to make me cry thinking about it. But, you know, when P is talking to him at the end of the movie and says, well, hell, Newt, he was talking to you like he was his own kin when he, when, you know, Captain Call gave him his watch and everything. And Newt got on the horse and said, nah, P, I'm not related to anybody in this world. And I was like, dang, <laughs> that's deep and just rides off yeah the thing about lonesome dove for for all the listeners out there if first of all if you if you've never watched lonesome dove watch it if you're a horse person it doesn't matter if you ride english or western if you just love horses and movies watch lonesome dove you're gonna get drawn if and if you love westerns definitely watch it. oh lord and yeah. it's a different flavor of western it, it you is. know if you grew up with the spaghetti westerns and that's your flavor of western lonesome dove is not for you lonesome dove is a saga and you better set an entire day aside to watch it. It's long. Because what? It's about three and a half hours, give or take. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it's it's so, so weird to me that I was thinking about it yesterday, of just how they intertwine all these different stories that somehow come together in the movie. And they do it beautifully, how they bring all these different storylines together. Oh, yeah. It's an absolutely amazing movie. You all want to hear a secret? What's that? Never seen Lones and Dove. All right, kicker, kicker. <laughs> yeah, Katie, Katie wanting to get me to watch it with her. I just never seen it. Yeah, you need. Yeah, you need. Dove. Yeah, you need to sit down with her and just watch Lones and Dove. You know, it's it's older these days, but it completely holds up. You're going to recognize the majority of the actors. Mm-hmm. Some great writing in that movie. Um, it really is. It's it, now that you say that, I'm like, they really wrote. I mean, if you look at. You know, Woodrow and Augustus, like, they rode well. Like, if you actually watch it, I mean, uh, Woodrow's riding Split Rain, that whole movie. Yeah. And he's riding it. From what I can tell, he's riding it correctly. Yeah, and you, and you will see a lot of Hollywood horses. You will see a lot of gated horses a lot of times, and you don't see that in Lonesome Dove. You see a lot of stock horses, and you see a lot of prototypical type, you know, uh, late 1800s type uh ranch ponies they're they're smaller thinner a little dumpy um you know they've got scraggly hair um they're just rough looking little horses you see a lot then you see some really nice hollywood type ponies in there too but you're gonna see a lot of those little rough raggedy little ponies like you would have saw and they ride the hell out of them in that movie and Mm -hmm. i love that you know like the, the the scenes you know and whoever they got to do the stunt work in that movie, uh, whoever those writers were too, were definitely on top of their game. They weren't hamming up stuntmen. They rode. They rode like cowboys, and that I love it. I'm here for it. Oh yeah, well you know you got to think about it that there wasn't much of the stunt stuff you had to do, but it was like when they were breaking horses, when they had those green horses that they were breaking in the round pins and everything like that. They were they were riding them. Oh yeah, and it was very impressive. Most of us these days live very busy lives between balance and work, our farms, our horses, individual needs. Time slips away from us very quickly. And if you're like me and you love to read, that leaves very little time to read. But I have a solution, and that's Audible. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books right at your fingertips in audio format. 
You can now find me most days around the barn with my earbuds in. Or maybe when I'm at work and it's safe to do so, I'll be listening to the book that I'm currently listening to, which is Sergeant Reckless, which is the true unprecedented account of the United States Marine Corps' most not only most decorated horse, but most heroic horse. And I'm going to do you another favor. If you head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash J. Ryan Chastain, you're going to get 30 days of Audible free plus a free audio book of your choosing. And if you decide Audible is not for you and you want to cancel within that 30 days, guess what? You get to keep the book. And there's no obligation for you to carry on your subscription if you don't want it to anymore. Let's say you get a subscription, you've had it for a few months, and you decide, you know what, it's not for me, and you've got three or four books that you've purchased. You get to keep those too. Also, you acquire points every month, and you can use those points to buy more books. Most books are one or two of those points. You're going to get one point every month just for being a member. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash J. Ryan Chastain today. There will be a link in the description of this episode, and go get your free audiobook. I'm still just kind of highly upset that Jess has never seen Lonesome Dove, though. Just for the record. Yeah, I'm I'm almost kind of offended as someone who's younger than Jess, but has seen it a multitude of times. I don't know. It's embarrassing. I can't believe I said it on this podcast. People were gonna people are gonna look at me differently. I, well, also part of it was my dad on Sunday afternoons. He dragged me into the living room with him while he'd sit in his uh, recliner and asked me to watch it with him. But as a kid, I hated watching it because it was all of three and a half hours long. Oh, yeah. It was no, hey, we'll we'll just watch this real quick and then we'll go do something. No, there's the day right there. Oh, no. And he'd fall asleep an hour into it. So it wasn't like we were watching it together. I've had the best naps to watch in Lonesome Dove. I am not going to lie. As a dad. Golly. Telling you. It's great. You know what, though? But the fact that you've never seen Lonesome Dove, do you know Flynn the Mule on TikTok? He's mildly offended at that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. Kay- Kayla <laughs> follows me, by the way. She always says I make her question her relationship status. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Me and Rowdy, you know, we're just, we got the ladies. What can we say? I, I wouldn't say I'm great with the ladies. I, I'll put that out there now. I'm not great with the ladies. No, you're you're great at getting their attention. It's what to do after that. that that's me. That's that's the issue that I ran into is not being able to, to keep it. I think that's what happened with my last relationship. Oh, Lord. Hey, with my ministry major, Ryan, I could probably give you a little bit of counseling. I'm not like a... A licensed counselor, but we could talk about some of your issues. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. We don't need, we don't need to burn the carpet out the church. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know that, and the, and I guess this is a good segue because you know Jess has never seen Lonesome Dove. We got a lot of people though that are coming back to. Uh, like Ling Frost brand has gotten huge here lately. You know, uh, I I'm I was about to say fortunate enough that I can remember watching Ling Frost ride, but uh, maybe it's not fortunate considering how old I am now. Um, 
but no, I'm, I'm happy I lived through this day. But we're seeing this younger crowd with music and everything else come back to it, specifically in the Western in- industry. It is getting popular for all the right reasons, and I'm starting to see that a lot of these companies and associations and everything else are actually starting to get on board with this and start lean on influencers. And I had always said for years that why aren't Western brands picking up on social media and influencers, and we're now really kind of starting to see it. I know I'm seeing it. You're definitely seeing it. I am, yeah. I think the big thing that I've kind of that I've just realized is a lot of these Western brands are starting to notice that yes, it's it's a kind of a dying lifestyle, but at the same time there's plenty of young people that are my age that love this lifestyle and it's a it's a lifestyle that we want to live and be a part of. Yeah. And they're starting to realize, oh hey, if we want to keep this going and we want the next generations to hold this standard and just be the, be this type of people we have to reach out to those people and kind of open our eyes a little bit to what the world is now and social media is 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 the way that the world works now if you, if you want to grow in whatever industry you're in whether it's the western industry sports whatever it is social media is basically where you start exactly well and i'll give you a prime example and here's a prime example i'll hold it up for you guys to so see you know my listeners can't and this is a can of Coors Banquet, okay? You could not find Coors Banquet anywhere about a year and a half ago. No matter where you looked, Jess has got one too. The the you know the only person I ever know that drank Coors Banquet was my uncle Ricky, and he had to go to a special package shop to be able to get it because none of the grocery stores carried it. Mm-hmm. Now everywhere you go, it is cases of Coors Banquet because it is now popular. Just like how no one drank Pat's Blue Ribbon. 20 years ago and then there was a phase when i I went through it which i will still grab a pbr every once in a while pbr was everywhere it got popular but i will tell you now you look at a lot of the western influencers be it fashion be it horsemanship be it whatever on apps like instagram tiktok whatever 90 percent of them if they're drinking an adult beverage it's a coors banquet I honestly did not know about Coors Banquet until TikTok. It is delicious too, by the way. There's some of your listeners that'll be like, oh my gosh, this kid's young. Well, I'm only 23, so I haven't been legal for very long. But like, No, I, but that's a, a, that's a prime example like, of what I'm talking about. Exactly. There's a guy by the name of Dally Boy. Who uh, yeah. he, did, he did outfit checks and stuff like that. What I that do was, now, yeah. different stuff now, but he made a huge following off of he basically did advertising for Coors Banquet. And I think that th- that's where a lot of that took off was this guy was like a huge marketer for this company. Oh, yeah. And people were like, oh, well, I'm going to start drinking that because it, it looks good. And I, it, it's just it's insane to me that people are just now hopping into it. Oh, yeah. But I also think that this is a great time to hop into it because – there are so many Western creators on on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. With huge followings. And, yes. and you can't look at like – so an app like TikTok, it's not like Instagram or Facebook. And I, you know, and to me, this is why TikTok is so important for people like me and you that are on that um, – and I, I hate calling myself an influencer – 
But if you ever notice that when you do something, other people ask you about it, then they want to do it. Mm. Like I have an ivermectin um, uh, tumbler, and now everybody wants ivermectin tumblers. You know, it looks like a big can of ivermectin, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm influencing people to want that. But just like you mentioned, Dallas, Dally Boy, you know, Dallas was living in Nashville, was was you know doing his thing, his fit checks, you know, dressing like your grandpa. That was his whole thing, and then all of a sudden, for a wild hair, decided that. I wasn't just going to talk it. I was going to walk it, and now he's in Arizona on a ranch. Oh, yeah. And I've got a good buddy of, of mine. She actually um, knows Dallas really well, so she's one of the sweetest individuals to ever meet. But there's another creator, speaking of Coors. Um, he's a cattleman out of Arkansas, a young guy, and the re- I, he follows me, and uh, I picked on him one day. He popped up. I said, what are you, the, the, the Wish.com J.B. Mooney? Oh, dude! Hey, he followed me too. He's a cool dude. He I, is the nicest guy. Yeah, we follow each other. We're buddies. I, I call us buddies. He's probably like, I'm not your buddy. I just follow you. But um, I cannot remember his name, and I apologize, man, if you're listening to this. Um, but you are my spirit. You're talking about too, because I'll watch his videos, and he makes some good stuff. It is. He's just. It's just him and his man cave. And I love that wood wall. I want to do that here eventually. Drinking a Coors, smoking a cigarette. And shooting the crap like we're all his buddies. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And that's the one thing that a lot of these companies, especially in the Western industry, that, listen, hanging a banner, you know, at the NBHA Worlds and hanging a banner at Road to the Horse and hanging a banner at, the, you know, the National Cutting Horse Maturity, you know, or whatever is cool. But you get on with an influencer that's got over, you know – Honestly, you don't even need you don't even need a hundred thousand. If you got somebody who's got a solid following of thirty k, their reach is probably I don't know on on a good vid that's put together five hundred thousand easy. It's it's insane to me to think about it though, because I you say that and it's insane. So I have right at like thirty one thousand followers right now. When I have a video that'll hit like a hundred thousand followers, and I can go you know look at your analytics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most of my viewers are not people that follow me. That's right. It'll, Same here. It'll straight up tell me 99%. And I, you can see that on most of my videos. I could show you the analytics of it. 99% of the people that see my videos are not that follow me. Mm-hmm. I will have, you know, I will have the consistent people that see my videos and like my videos, but the ones that do really well are people that do not follow me. Yeah. And I will say something else too for these industry people. We're not stupid people behind a camera. We're professional with what we do. We this is what we do. We've turned this into a quasi business. You know, this is not. And I know you feel like some days, and I feel it too. You you wake up and you're like, I really got to put out a video, but I really don't feel it right this second. But I have no content today. Yeah. But you know, but we do it. We're professionals. We treat this like a job. And not only that, but you're going to spend a thousand dollars. Or two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars to hang a banner at an event that five hundred people are going to show up to, and ten of them are going to actually, you know, put in the website at the bottom of that banner. Or you could reach out to somebody like me or Rowdy or Jessamine or anyone else out there who is a content creator on an app like TikTok, and we can put you in front of a few hundred thousand and our dedicated core following are almost 90% of the time going to click on it because they like us. We can reach 500 and get you a guaranteed 50,000 that are going to click on it. Yeah. It, it really is insane to think about that. Like, 
like I, t- I talked to you about this when we first did the podcast of I started this as a joke. It was a straight up joke. Yeah. And I still do this for the entertainment purposes. But like I've had to realize that this I have to treat this sort of like a business because obviously as a human being, I can't just be run over by people. No, but I it's it's insane. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I had a I posted a video the other day. And it did not do well view wise. It got like a thousand views yeah. in maybe two hours. And I just took it down because I was like, that's that's not what it normally does. So what I've had to do is figure out like, okay, am I posting too much? Like it's it's wild to think that I, I've never gone to a marketing class at yeah. King College whatsoever, but I've learned how to market. That's right. TikTok. Well, and same way with me. I knew nothing about marketing or analytics. And then all of a sudden I found my day looking at uh, peak times for when your followers are online. And I found out that, especially with our followers, a lot of our followers are a little older. A lot of our followers, they're working for a living type people, blue collar type folks. So when they wake up while they're brushing their teeth, washing their face, putting their boots on, they're scrolling TikTok, 7 a.m. is peak. Really? In the, in, yep, in the morning. Lunchtime is your other peak time. But See, it's depending funny. on the day of the week, though, because it's. That's changes. funny you say that because the peak for my followers, my followers are probably a little bit younger than yours. Probably like, I would say my followers are probably like 20s through to 40s. And my peak time that I've known, that I've realized is like 6 o'clock to like 9 o'clock at night. That yeah. that time period is where I have so, those people, which and it makes sense. Yeah. So I accidentally like I don't know what happened. I went to put something in drafts and I had it all set up to drop next morning. And the other day I actually ended up screwing up and it's set to go out at like eight o'clock one evening. And you know, and I posted it and I was like, Well, it's already there now. I got ten thousand views. I mean it that and, and that's a that's a that's a good viewership. Oh yeah. Um I missed the days when the algorithm had me about everything when I did my Monday historical video on on horses and this, that, and the other, when I was guaranteed about 300,000 views. Um, those days are gone. You know, it, it, It's crazy for me to think because it's like I could do a fit check, which is what normally got me my good views. I could do that, and there's some, there's some days where I could post that at noon, and that could get – 30,000 views. Yeah. I post the same type of video another day at noon and it gets 3,000 in yeah. the same amount of time. Well, and like I'm holding on to a video. In fact, it, it, Jessamine is really pushing me to put this video out and it's about George Washington. And I, I long story short, everybody depicts George Washington on this big white horse. We've all seen the pictures on this big white horse. That horse's name was Blueskin. He was an half half Arab. That was not the horse he rode all the time. He rode a horse named Nelson, which was a little chestnut horse that was what we would call bomb proof today. And uh, he was he was just nothing special, but he was George Washington's favorite horse. It's and he, such a cool story. Yeah, it was it was just his buddy. And he was an older horse. That horse was born in like 1763. Okay. And he rode that horse through the American Revolution and had that horse and retired him after the revolution and kept that horse during his presidency. 
and gave the white horse back to the original owners. And he kept his little red horse. And he, you know what? When he retired that horse, that horse went to go live in Mount Vernon like a king. That's how much he loved that little horse. And I've been holding on to that video because I'm like, I want to see how the algorithm is working out here lately because I don't want this to be a dud because it's such a really cool story. I want it to reach as many people as possible. Now, I have a question for the two of you, and I'm not I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but you guys are a little bit older than me, and you've been in this industry a lot longer than I have. How do you guys feel about how social media is really bringing in just a whole new crowd of viewers, whether they're involved in the industry or not? They're just a whole new crowd is coming in to watch the Western industry, the show industry, all this kind of stuff that we're involved in. There's a whole new crowd that's watching us now because of social media and not just because of Yellowstone and all that stuff, but like just social media in general. How do you guys feel about that, like being able to watch it? Jess has got her mouth gaping, so I'm going to let her go first. I think that it is the best thing that could possibly ever happen for our industry. And the people who say it's not are not people who are actually fans of the Western industry, in my opinion. Because if we want it to survive, we have to bring new people in. Yes. That's just how it is. And I think that it's given us such a new outlet for people to start getting involved. And, like, of course, like, when people first get involved, they might not be the most genuine or, you know, what people think of as, you know, um, you know, real West or whatever that even means. Because what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Um, But I think that it, it gives people an entry block in. I mean, you think of any of us, unless you were popped out on a farm, you know, you all, everyone started somewhere. And just because you've been in it a long time doesn't make you any better than that person who just fell in love with it for the first time. And anyone who craps on someone who just fell in love with the Western industry industry for the first time doesn't have a good view of how we how we are going to keep it around and what it's going to evolve into. It's always going to have change. But like just like you were just talking about, you know, the some of the things that we had that make, you know, make the, what we would consider, you know, the old timey or original Western things like Coors Banquet. We were just talking about, you know, the old cowboys drink Coors Banquet and now it's coming back around because everyone sees, you know, the value in that and they want a part of it. And I think that it's fantastic. Well, they see a guy like Dallas drinking, you know, Coors Banquet. And they, oh, well, you know, he's cool. Look at him. I'm going to start drinking Coors Banquet. And I'm I'm 100% on board with Jess, and I will take it a bit farther, too. Um, the Western industry is based on traditions, and the way traditions stay alive is by passing traditions down. And you can't if, – if there's no one to pass those traditions down to, then traditions die. And yes, bringing in a lot of new people, there is a double-edged sword there, and that being is you are going to bring in a lot of folks that – are going to peer from the outside. You are going to shine a light on the industry. And that light is going to shine on those that are on board with the industry and those that are also not. And, you know, and I hate to say it, but a prime example of that is you're going to see a lot more animal rights type people come out the woodwork and things like that. You know, and that's something we have always dealt with. 
and we as the influx comes into the industry, we're going to see that more because there's a learning curve for everybody. So people are going to post stuff maybe they should not post, some training methods they should not be using but they think are okay because they're new. And and that kind of brings me to where when I started out on social media, especially on the platform that we're all on, was I geared vo- videos toward the first-time horse owners, and people picked on me for that. And they got great views, but people picked on me for that because they're like, great, you, you know, you're bringing all the gunsels in. And I'm like, no, because if they're a horse owner and they're wanting to learn and they're wanting to know how to train and they're wanting to show, it's not a gunsel. You know, and honestly, I, I don't necessarily like the term gunsel because if if we're going to be real, somebody could look at my profile and be like, well, Rowdy's a gunsel because he doesn't rodeo. He only rides once a week, whatever. Technically, somebody could call me that. I mean, technically, Jess and I, you know, if we really want to look at it, we're gunsels. But we're show, po- we're show pony that, people. It, and, and no matter – I feel like it's almost any industry, but especially the Western – industry we've talked about how toxic it is about how people are it's it's so prideful to people that they're they don't it's like we have this little community that it's like we don't want people to ask questions about it we want people to look at us and be like oh you're so cool for what you do but we don't want you to ask questions and try to be a part of it no well and we saw the same thing like with our breed registries and our horses years ago is because we we shut down anybody that, that wanted to really get involved and bring um you know develop any kind of breeding that you know when you had people that were that understood genetics and stuff like that no 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 no. we're breeding color here we're breeding this we're breeding that and then just like i made a video the other day you know people talking about you know these type of horses those type of horses trainability and all like that i'll be honest with you 99.9 percent of horses that are bred today are bred for trainability that's how we get those metallic cats and those Pepto Boone Smalls and those type of horses. We get them from breeding trainability. We breed for brains now. We don't breed for that hot show horse temperament. That's gone. You can have the best yeah. of both worlds now. I want to go back to what Rowdy said, though. And he said that um, he, he mentioned on like a lot of people that are in the West, the real Western industry don't want to hear questions. But I think. I don't, I don't think that that's, a, I mean, I get where you're coming from because I feel like a lot of the people who are quote unquote influencers that are in the Western industry that are the loudest voices mm. can be that way. But so like Ryan said, I came from a showing background. So I've been in horses my whole life um, and I've never had a full-time job that wasn't in horses my whole life. That's all I've ever done. Um, and, but not until about three years ago, did I, get into what I, I mean, I've ridden Western, I've trail ridden, I've done that kind of stuff, but not until about three years ago, would I consider myself like stuck in that Western world. And I started riding with these amazing people who we do, we do ranch roping. So, um, three man doctoring, that kind of stuff. It's not, not like rodeo, but it's still like, it's working ranching. Um, and that's, that's what they, that's what they're into. And I had as accomplished as I would have considered myself as a rider like I would have considered myself a very good horseman I was still very green in that aspect because I I never roped I've never you know I've never actually doctored cows I have no idea like how to give them shots and all that I mean horses yes but cattle and cattle operations I had no clue and I'm still pretty new to it and I'm still learning 
Um, but when I met those people who are really out there all the time, working on their horses, doing, you know, real cattle work. And they've, I've met some of the most humble people that will teach you anything that you want to know and let you hear as many questions. And we have all kinds of kinds of people that come to these range ropings. And then we actually meet up and uh, like last weekend, some of my friends got together and they were hired to uh, brand a bunch of cattle for this guy, you know, and doing, doing the real ranch work, which is really cool. But going back to your real original question, I think that people start to get interested in that and they see it all on social media and they start getting interested. And then when they meet the real people in real life, that's where they start creating those relationships. And that's where the Western industry actually grows is when they take it upon themselves and actually get like one-on-one with those people that are doing it. When you meet those people, they are usually the nicest, kindest people. And anything you want to know, they'll tell you. There's no stupid questions when you're on them. Like I've asked so many questions and I've been in horses my whole life. You know, and I kind of felt stupid because I'm like, I don't know what this. What's this? What's this? How do you do this? Why do you do this? Because I'm a why person. I like to know. And uh, we have this older gentleman, and he's ranched his whole life. He's in his late 70s, and let me tell you, his horse is freaking amazing. I mean, we'll run sideways, like whatever it has to do to get to the cow, and he will just ride it like there is not a care in the world. I'm like, I want to be that. I want to be him one day. Like I want to be as much of a horseman and he is the most kind and humble guy and he'll talk to you for hours if you want to answer all your questions help you out with your horse do whatever you need to do and I think that that is the real core of the western industry when you get down to it when you actually meet people one-on-one and start getting into it no I don't disagree and that's not what I, I wasn't saying that there aren't core people because I've learned all of my my team roping stuff and all my other stuff from those four people. But what I'm trying to say is that from the social media aspect, yeah, from a social media aspect, you will learn nothing in my no. opinion and you will not really be welcomed. Yeah. The, all the stuff that I have learned, it's been from in-person experiences and me reaching out to people personally, because from what I've seen, I haven't done it myself, but from what I've seen is that people get embarrassed and they get called out and things like that on social media because they will reach out to these people and ask questions. But then those people will basically turn around and almost embarrass them like on a video or a sponsor yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I meant. So and I'll touch on that. And I'll be honest with you. It adds to the it. It really has a lot to do with the underlying toxicity for one of our industry and two horses in general, but really in the industry. And a lot of that stems from. You got a lot of people, a lot of these old timers years ago, and it's not this way anymore that were like, I'm not going to give you the answers. You're going to learn the answers type thing. And you've got a lot of these young people that come up a lot like we did, and they're why type people. Well, why do we do this? Why do you do it like that? And then usually the answer they get, well, if you were the, if you were a real one, you'd know. Well, they're obviously not. They, they just want to know the answer. And that and then you add the internet in that too, and I, I call this and, and there's no other way to put it. I call it internet balls because most of these people would not say the type of things they say on social media to someone's face. Yeah, and and, that, I, and that's rampant. Yeah, and I guess what I was what I was trying to say was I was agree I agree with you, Rowdy. Like 
that is how a lot of the influencer influencers are, which stinks. Like, like the fact that, you know, they are the loudest voices and that's what people hear the most, you know, that that's super tough. And so I guess what I was trying to say is don't be discouraged if that's what you hear from somebody when you reach out to them the first time, because if you find people who are actually, actually in it and in person face to face, they're usually going to be the most kind people. You know who yeah. I find on social media, though, to be the most forthcoming with information and be and, and look at a lot of things from a teaching aspect? And I don't know if it just has to do with that culture or what, but buckaroos. The Vaquero-type guys seem to be so much more forthcoming. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that there aren't cowboys out there that, that are too – but to my buckaroo guys that are out there, man, the majority of you guys on social media are, are doing some great work helping people out. I will say I want to give a guy a shout out to me. The one that you, you've seen the video of me doing the team roping off the dummy off the horse. Oh, yeah. This guy reached out to me personally. His name's Matt. I, I won't say his last name because I don't think he wants his last name thrown out there. But Matt reached out to me personally. And he wanted to help me. He, in fact, I spent my entire spring break at his house, basically learning because he wanted to, he didn't want me to be learning off from these guys that are just commenting stuff on my videos. Cause I think that's, that's where a lot of my issues come from is people that will comment things on people's posts where people are learning how to do something. They're just commenting critiques and saying, Oh, you should do this. Well, Matt literally invited me to his house and was like, I'm going to give you all of these tools to teach you how to do this and I'm going to teach you how to do it correctly. And I think that that's one of the greatest things about the Western industry. On the other hand, is you have people like Matt who want to bring you in and personally teach you. So that way you're not having to learn through the toxic ways of people just talking crap on social media. Uh, you know, and I have always said, if you want to end crappy horsemanship, then show people how to be better horsemen. It's as simple as that. If if you've got something that will help them, give them that information instead of just laughing at them or making an example of how they're stupid and turning that into content. You know, I, I've had people comment things like, uh, yeah, if somebody says they're a buckaroo, that says all I, I need to know about them right there. And I'm like, what do, what do you even mean, guy? And then you go click on their, 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 their profile and see they're not even in the industry. I they're will not say in our one, industry. One of my favorite things that has happened not in our industry whatsoever, but an industry that I'm very close with and I love. It's the uh, it's the gym, bodybuilding, weightlifting, all that kind of stuff industry. There's a guy by the name of Joey Swole. He's a bodybuilder. Yeah. And maybe you guys have seen this, but there's been people where they will video things on TikTok and they will post it trying to embarrass people. And this guy who has hundreds of thousands of followers will call people out on social media and be like, hey, this is not what we're going to do for our industry. This is giving our industry a bad rep. And I love that. I love that there's actually yeah. people out there that they want to make their own industry better. And they're not allowing things like things that we've seen in our industry. People just go and make fun of people. Well, I'll give you somebody in our industry. Not not so much – I won't say so much Western culture uh, as just much as equestrian culture. Um, he's, he's a little Western though. And that's Donnie. Uh, I'm a rancher 52. I forgot what his old, um, profile was. And he pretty much got famous on the app by, uh, calling out people that just wanted to make fun of him 
for having bright white teeth or not having a hat shaped the way it should be shaped, you know, saying you ain't no cowboy. And he's like, no, I own a ranch. You know, I breed horses. No, I'm not a cowboy. Cowboys work for me, you know, you know, just people attacking him. And now he has turned his platform into finding people that have under a thousand followers and posting their content and getting them to a thousand. Like that's just what he does all day. That and breed some amazing American saddlebreds. Hush, Jess, I know what you're about to say. Donnie's horses are gorgeous. Donnie's horses are great, and Donnie's great. I will not say anything bad about that or him. We we went. I went to the International Museum of the Horse with Jess, and then I drug her over to the uh, American Saddlebred um, Museum. You did not drag me. I was the one who said we should go over there. So don't even, don't even start with me. And you started picking horses apart. I- well, yeah, just because it drives you nuts, that's all. Why does that's this like, one look like a giraffe? <laughs> that's an um, amazing breed, you hush. I saw, I saw some that I really liked, and you didn't like them, so I don't know how to tell you. Because it didn't look like saddlebreds, it looked like cow ponies. I like cow ponies, what can I say? I mean, I like cow ponies too, but I don't want to celebrate it looks like a cow pony. I mean, I like Arabs too, but... Okay, I kind of like Arabs that look like cow ponies. And I proved that point to you, too, that there are Arabs that look like cow ponies that are 100% Arab. I'm just, yeah, just going to keep with my quarter horses, and I will just I will stay with my quarter horses till the day that I die. Me, too. So will I. Listen, but it, is, is, it I, is 2022. Hold, hold on. It is 2022, and Rowdy's allowed to be as wrong as he wants to be. Come on, man. <laughs> Listen, so I am one of those people. Y'all see my content. I think the American Quarter Horse is the do-anything breed of the world. There's not anything out there that a Quarter Horse, it might not excel, but it can do. You know, from hunt seat to roping, it doesn't matter. There's a Quarter Horse out there probably doing it. And then, then there's me that's like, we need more Morgans in this world. We need to breed more Morgans into everything. And you know what? Everything's a little better with some Arab and thoroughbred throat in it. Take a quarter horse, I'm telling you. Take a quarter horse, add a touch of Arab, add a touch of thoroughbred. Oof, buddy. Here, here is my argument against that right here. And this is this there is, is no argument that I can give you. Are you ready? Yes. I am 23 years old. I'm about to graduate college. I don't have the money to be getting a horse that has a touch of Arab. And all that kind of stuff in it. I'm just going to stick with my quarter horse ponies that are maybe five grand or something like that. And just be just be pure quarter horse. But I'm not going I'm not trying to search for them uh, Arab ponies that will cost me more than that. He's Rowdy said he's not going to own an Astica anytime soon. That's uh, Andalusian and quarter horse. And uh, they're expensive, by the way. Somebody tried to give me one not too long ago, and then I found out it was like 25 with Cushing's, and I was like, I don't think I want that. And a cribber. And it was a cribber. That was, The cribber was really the deal breaker right there. I was like, 25, but it still rides. It's got Cushing's, so it's got special needs. i got to watch the way I feed it. Oh, it's a cribber? No, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> I will say that the best part about my horsemanship class is not just the stuff that I'm learning in the classroom, which is great stuff. I'm learning about the anatomy of the horse, reproduction, all that kind of stuff. It's the conversations that I've had with my professor that I ride with. You know, I was talking to him the other day. I said, hey, what would you recommend for people that are like of our skill level and everything like that? He, and he was honest with us. He was like, y'all need to get a horse. Like for beginners, y'all should 
he this is what he recommended and i know that some of your listeners may throw a fit about it i'm chomping oh. at the bit get this out okay he said that you need to get a horse that is that is in good standing that knows what it's doing do not get a horse that you are training because as a new rider you do not fully know what you are doing and you are not doing that new that you know training horse any favors by training it wrong because you two just aren't going to mesh well because it's going to be frustrated because that horse is smarter than you give it credit for. So get you a horse that it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's been trained correctly by people. As someone who teaches beginners for living of all, of all disciplines, I 100% agree with that. If there's, there's nothing worse than a green rider trying to ride a green horse. Green horse, yes. I will. Um, I've had students before, and they will. Their parents will go out and buy them a horse so they can grow a a colt. So they. Can I was that was going to be what I was going to say right and there. It is the worst thing on the planet. And then you want to know what happens? I end up having to ride the green horse, and then I put the student on my horse that already knows what it's doing. Because a student can't teach a horse to do something that they don't already know how to do. That was one of the greatest things about this horse that I've been riding. And she's a retired barrel horse and she's a little bit slower, but it's been so good for me to learn because there's been things that I've learned about myself as a rider of like, okay, she knows what she's doing. She's probably been alive longer than I have. And I'm learning like, oh, okay, the reason I'm struggling, it's not because what she's doing, it's because I'm doing something wrong. And, but, but here's an, another question that I have for you guys. And I, I want to know your honest opinions because the, this, the conversation that I have with my professor kind of came into that. He was also saying that for even writers that are somewhat beginners, but kind of, yeah, basically beginners, he said, stay away from like your kill pin horses and the horses that you just adopt for free. Because a lot of times you will get so frustrated that you will quit on that horse and you will never want to ride again. And he told us a story about a girl that he told her, don't adopt that free horse. And apparently she's just sworn off riding horses ever again because of that horse she adopted. So here's the deal. And I'll let I'll let Jessica second this time. Um, Here's here's the deal with that. So. I am a firm believer a horse is in that situation for a leaving for a reason. Um, and there are instances where horses end up in that situation just because they fell through the cracks because it's crappy people. But most of the time they end up in that situation because they floated from trainer to trainer and to trainer. They never got a really good foundation. There's big gaps there. Somebody ended up with that horse and either that horse hurt them or they hurt that horse. And now it is at a feedlot somewhere, quote, kill pin or at an auction. And, yeah, the new beginner rider does not need that horse because that horse is a problem horse more than likely. Not only that, there's also a chance that horse may have special needs, and they may not be monetarily equipped to be able to handle that either. So, you know, you want a you want your first horse to be a sane, sound horse. If you've got to make a big investment up front, go ahead and make that investment. 
then as you get older and your horsemanship improves and you want to dabble in training and stuff like that, go grab you one of those free horses and see what you can do with it. Worst case scenario, you can sell that horse and break even on it to somebody who might be better than you. But if you're a new rider, the only thing you need to be focusing on is getting yourself better because you're not going to be able to work on yourself if you're constantly having to work on your horse. Not only that, but you don't understand warning signs. You don't understand those little cues that horses give you that lets you know that you were doing something wrong and you're about to take a dirt nap. Because I have seen so many new riders look at bad behavior as some kind of cute quirk, and then it snowballs. And then the next thing you know, that horse that they were going to grow with, the only thing that's growing is that ever long list of hospital bills for them and their horse yeah and so what i would say about that too is that ryan's right a lot of those horses that are in those situations are in that situation for a reason but the reason that a lot of that you hear about those situations working out are usually because an experienced horseman saw that horse and could tell the difference of if it was something that happened to fall through the cracks or if it's a problem horse. And if you don't have that experience to be able to tell the difference, then you're not going to end up with a good horse. No. And, uh, and I know there's somebody out there right now, probably listening. They're probably listening and they're going, well, it worked out for me. And, and I hate to tell you this, but you're the exception, not the rule. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you go through that, when you go through that situation, if you don't if you don't have the know-how or at least have someone with you that has the know-how, you know, you can end up pretty hurt. Now, if you have an experienced horse person that says, "Hey, you know, this could be this could be good enough." Some of the some of the best horses I've ever gotten were free. And that doesn't that's that's only because I knew that horse previous and I have a really uh, good handle on being able to evaluate that horse. But then to go off that, if you're a new if you're a new rider, my suggestion to you is instead of going out and buying a horse, see if you can, well, A, take lessons first because you need to evaluate where you're at and what your riding level is and what kind of horse you need. The second step, in my opinion, is to find, try to find a horse that you can lease because you're going to start getting to understand what horse ownership is really like. And then if you take that horse and you outgrow that horse, you don't have to go through the whole thing of trying to sell it and all that kind of stuff. And while you're leasing a horse, you can start putting money away to make a real investment in the horse that you really want once you become a decent rider. Yeah, or or like I say a lot of the times too, and I'm 100% on board with you when it comes to leases, and I tell people all the time that – if you're a new rider, you should be looking for a horse. You should be looking for a really good established lesson program with somebody who's got references and that has some really good ponies in that barn and that you can grow there. And then when it comes time to make that first time purchase, get that person involved with your purchase. Because guess what? They're not going to want you to end up with some plug because guess what? They're going to have to teach you with that horse. And they don't want to be dealing with a bad pony that entire time. Just like the scenario you were talking about, Jess, with you end up having to ride that horse where they're on one of yours. And I, and research, 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 research. You know, I hear people all the time, what's a good breed? 
I don't make breed recommendations for first-time horse owners or beginner riders because there isn't no breed, you know, requirement for that. A good grade pony, if it's a good, got a good brain between its ears and isn't going to murder you, it's just as good as anything registered. You're not buying, you know, you're not going to look cool on the dirt because you've got a, you know, fifteen thousand dollar, you know, cutting line quarter horse. You're going to look great sitting in the saddle on a $700 plug, though. Yeah, I think the big thing, too, especially I'll just speak from my own experience, is I think for the beginning rider, and especially for me with somebody who has a disability, I think it's being honest with yourself and your own ab- abilities and being okay with reaching out to people who have been in it for a while and be like, hey, I'm new in this. Um, can I maybe get your help on trying to find something that works for me. And especially with me having a disability, I have to be completely okay with spending a little bit of extra money to find a horse that is not going to be trying to throw me off when I'm trying to get it to do something just for health reasons. I think it's just a lot of it is people just need to be okay with an understanding, just not even okay with, but just understanding that the horse industry is not cheap. Just whenever you get a horse, it is not cheap whatsoever. No. So if you're going to get into it, be ready to spend money, especially if you're a beginner. Be willing to spend a little bit of extra money to get yourself something good to start on. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the big thing is that if you're wanting to get into it and just find yourself something cheap, you're going you're gonna to not like it in the long run. So save up your money. Find you something good that's stable and invest your money and, I, and, and i feel like a good horse is a good investment it is and you brought up a valid point too is most people are not honest with themselves. and i will tell you nine times out of ten most people when they go to look for a horse they're not honest when it comes to their own ability and they're looking at horses that are more for an advanced rider and they're saying well you know i can make that work or they're thinking they're better than they are and they're really not and then the only thing that the the only thing that suffers in that generally is the horse, because then the horse gets labeled as a bad horse. You know, if the horse says if the horse says advanced intermediate or advanced rider, that doesn't mean you as a beginner that's taken six lessons needs to buy that horse. You are not that person. And then when you get that horse, you can't call that horse stupid or dumb or whatever. Because you were not honest with yourself. No, you were not honest with that horse either. I think it was you that that came out with this video. It might have been you. It might have been another creator that was talking about giving up on a horse. I've done some that way, so it could have been me. Talking about the fact that if you're just going to go in with the attitude that this horse is just going to be an issue, it's going to give you trouble, like you're just mad at it all the time. That was me, yeah. Yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors and you're really not doing the horse any favors because you're going in with the bad attitude of this horse sucks. Yeah. And I said that. So I made that video and I know the video you're talking about. And I actually made that video uh, because I heard a conversation with some trainer friends of mine and I've never been one to consider myself a trainer. Um, I don't give training advice um, or I try not to, um, but I can fix things if I need to fix things on a horse most of the time. And if I can't, I pass them on to a trainer who, can and i made that video because i heard two people that i know that i consider to be very decent drainers talking about 
horses that they dreaded to have to go work with that were client horses. And I'm thinking to myself, if you dread going to work with that horse, then maybe you should just not be working with that horse and tell that client, hey, you need to find another trainer for this horse. And then, you know, I, I kind of added in there too, kind of made it more of a blanket type video for horse owners too. If you own a horse that you dread to have to go work, then don't own that horse. Give that horse to somebody, sell that horse to somebody um, who's going to give that horse a chance because you've already given up. If you don't like riding that horse, why are you feeding that horse? Because you're not doing him any favors and you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. You're, some of the some of the best advice I've ever heard was from one of the um, top clinicians that I've ever worked with. I took two of my students to go work with her, and um, she said, "Glenn Stewart." No, I wish I'd love <laughs> to work with Glenn Stewart, but um, she said, "Buy the horse you need, not the horse that you want to have in the future, because if you buy the horse that you want to have in the future or want to be ready to ride in the future, you're gonna fail." and ruin that horse and never get to its full potential because you're not ready to ride that horse yet. And so many, and this might strike a nerve in some people, but so many think that buying a horse means that you have to have that horse forever. And that that's not true. You know, that's why I'm a big no. fan of leasing, but you know, just because you buy a horse and then if you outgrow that horse, someone else is going to be looking for a stepping stone. You know, yeah. because you buy a horse doesn't mean you have to doesn't so, mean you have to own it forever. And I'll use this as an example. And I'm the same way right here when it comes to motorcycles. I love motorcycles. I have owned a crap ton of motorcycles. I currently own one, which I need to get it out. But people always, you know, the Honda Rebel is a 250cc tiny little motorcycle. They have made them forever, and you can find them from the 80s. That only have like 500 miles on them, and you can get them for like $2,000 or less. And the reason being is because it's always everybody's beginner motorcycle. Somebody will buy it, and they will ride it for 100, 200 miles until they're like, oh, this thing's slow. I need a better bike, and they'll go get a better bike, and then they'll pass that Honda Rebel on to somebody you know, and sell it to them, and then they'll learn, and it'll go on, and it'll go on. And that horse is the same way, and it can have a great life teaching people to ride, building confidence. There's nothing wrong with buying a horse that just builds your confidence. And then guess what? Passing that horse along to somebody else that will love it and help them build some confidence too. You're not a horse flipper for doing that. You're giving somebody else an opportunity on something that doesn't benefit you anymore. And guess what? If that horse doesn't benefit you anymore, you don't benefit that horse. Absolutely. You know, and then there's there's the rare occasion that you find your heart horse, you know, and then you keep on doing forever, and that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, my older gelding, he's my heart horse. I'll have him forever. I mean, he's 29, but you never because he still rears up and tries to take off in the pasture when you turn him out. But I'm uh, having Layla stuffed into a giant plushie, and she's gonna sleep with me at night when she dies. No joke. But you know, then you you find that horse, and you you love riding that horse forever, and that's great. But some people have to realize that that's that's not what always happens. So find find the horse that's right for you right now yeah. in the moment, and then and, yeah, build yourself off of that. And and speaking of amazing horses, speaking of amazing horses, the book for this week is one of my favorite horses. Everybody knows it in the world. Not only a great horse, but a great marine, Sergeant Reckless. So if you guys haven't heard about Audible, you definitely need to check out Audible. 
You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash J Ryan Chastain today. And guess what? It's 100% free to sign up for Audible. You get a month free. You you get a free book as soon as you get on there. And guess what? If you decide Audible is not for you, you can cancel at any time and keep your free book. I recommend Sergeant Reckless by Robin Hutton, and it is the complete and captivating story of how a would-be Korean racehorse become one of the greatest United States Marine Corps heroes of all time. That is audibletrial.com forward slash J. Ryan Chastain. Sorry, I had to do a shameless commercial plug, guys. Hey, I dig it, man. You got to do what you got to do. I want Sergeant Reckless anyway. Maybe I'll check it out. You definitely check it out. The uh, I got to see Reckless's statue at the Kentucky Horse Park, and it is life size. And you really yeah. get to see how tiny, how tiny that little horse was. You were geeking out about it. I was completely geeking out. You were working on dressage tests, and I was trying to learn dressage and what it was all about. And then I was like, "Ooh, Charger Reckless!" And then I go snapping pictures and video and making content. You know, I do. But I did find, you know, and this this is here's something, Rowdy, is I found that <clears throat> I had, you know, I had always told the joke, dressage is like watching paint dry. And it is. I'm a, so I'm a golfer. I don't watch golf all the time because it can be kind of boring. I live near Augusta, Georgia. I am five minutes from Augusta, Georgia. And you didn't go? To the Masters? No, you have, you can't just go to the Masters. You, you like tickets are inherited. If you're thing. that close, you need to invest and try to find a way to go. I, every year, I, every year I'm put into the lottery for tickets and every year they're like, no, but uh, the, um, the only thing I get from the masters is traffic and pimento cheese. But anyway, so the, uh, you know, I love golf and I watch them. I, I will watch the Sunday of the masters. I am not watching the rest of the tournament. I will watch the Sunday of the masters. I love playing golf. It was one of the few things my dad and I, we could have a few beers and we could go out there and play. And I felt the same way about dressage. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so boring. And then I kind of learned the intricacies of what dressage was. And your boy is looking forward to sometime this summer Taking a Western dressage test. Heck yeah. I gotta be honest with y'all, man. I a lot of people are gonna dislike me after I say this. If it's not in the rodeo arena, I'm not necessarily drawn to it. I it's not that I dislike it. Well, I wanna I wanna preface that. It's not that I dislike it, it's just it's not fast pace enough for me that side of the the horse world is seems like a very respectable place and everything i like the the pyrotechnics the rough dudes that are chatting it up in the back of the buck and shoots it's, i like i like the cowboy stuff oh but i do too don't get me wrong i, I love it i i talked to a lady that used to do some type of show horses and stuff like that and I just, she told me what she did and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, that's cool. It's not my thing. And I I think that's okay. I feel like it's okay to like, as long as we all can see eye to eye on the fact that we, we love the same animals, it's totally cool. But I live up to my name, y'all. I need that loud energy, the, 
the Chris Ledoux songs, the, the Metallica you're, playing in the background. You're, you're talking that. to a guy that cut his teeth in, in the industry in barrel racing. So I know all about fast-paced, in-your-face, rowdy women, rowdy men, crazy-ass oh, yeah. horses. Right Trust me, I know. Right but I found some sort of peace in watching these girls at the, the tip of their ability as horse people. Because it's a test. Mm-hmm. It's not a show. All Everybody that's doing dressage is testing. And I'm like, holy crap. And then the judge writes little notes after each maneuver that they have to do with their horse. They write notes and telling you, hey, this is what I saw. And I'm like, that is cool. So wait a minute. The judge is also like helping you. When is that a thing? We're always throwing rock, you know. We're always throwing, you know, chunks of clay at the, you know, announcer stand, you know, when they're not looking, you know, because what do you mean that <laughs> I fell in the hole, you know, the um, so, yeah, I mean, it is that is just a totally different world, you know, and there was a time when I was watching this happen that classical music was playing in my head. <laughs> I did see the grass grow, you know, like an eighth of an inch. Um, the, birds were chirping in the background. The cool thing about it, though, and Rowdy, I totally get what you're saying, and I no one's gonna hate on you for no one's gonna hate on you for that because it's it's the it's the truth. But the we the like that stuff too. Is, is what though, she's trying is to it, say. Is it it creates, in my opinion, like okay, so I rode horses for a long time, but until I started riding like dressage and stuff, I never understood why I was doing what I was doing, like. Like, what is, what does inside leg mean? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know? And then I started learning like the true basics of like why everything works the way that it works. And so for me, it just made me a better horseman. To be honest, I'm really big under dressage, but do I want to sit there all day and watch it? Especially at the lower levels? No. Zero percent. I think the big thing too is where I grew up. Y'all have to realize I grew up in Western Oklahoma. And now I'm in West Texas. Talking about yeah. dressage, all that kind of stuff, that, yeah. that's not my people. Hold on. It's amazing where you grew up, you call it dressage and not dressage. Dressage. The only reason I call it that is because I've heard y'all say it, so I know <laughs> y'all are saying it the correct way. You know, and I was I was on board with that for forever. And I would see people, like, living where I live in Aiken, South Carolina, it is primarily 90% English sport. And, and because of that, I used to be like, oh, God these people you know and now i have such an appreciation especially for like eventers i'll be honest with you if you like fast-paced and you like what could be like rock and roll music going off in the background even though it's not watch some jumping ponies watch some cross-country watch some cross-country yeah solid objects and flipping over i tell you what if i ever make it up a little bit more north of where i'm at y'all can take me somewhere but you better make sure it's a big one. I tell you what I will do. We will sit there and we will sit on a tailgate. We will drink cocktails and we will watch a polo match. If you want to see fast paced blood will fly. It's like watching football with horses. My guy. What I really want to do is I'd like to, within the next couple of years after seeing you post about it, I think we should try to get it organized to where I can go to, uh, the, the big deal that you went to, 
Road right. to the horse. Yeah, Road to the Horse. I, I want to get it set up. After seeing you post about it and go to the museum and all that, I'd like to get it set up to where I go to one with you just so that way I Because I'd like to pick your brain while I'm sitting there because it's so hard to pick your brain now while I'm not being able to look at it. Yeah. But if I'm able to see details and be like, well, why are they doing this? And why is well, it like this? And, you I know, and I learned I learned so much from Road to the Horse. And like I say, I don't consider myself a trainer I, I know what problems look like in horses, and I know how to fix most of them. You know what I mean? But watching four cult starters, and let's just say what it is. We, we disagree with a few of these people as far as their method goes and, and the type of people they are that we watched. The thing is, is they're at the tip of the spear when it comes to clinicians regardless. And watching these people take untouched colts from the ground up and they have three hours and 50 minutes to turn them into rideable horses and go through an obstacle course and it was what's, so what's the name of that australian dude that like clint anderson okay i love him simply of the way that he carries himself as a man he could care less if you don't like him he does he trains the way that he trains and he's successful at it and he just does not care what anybody thinks. Yeah, so my my take on Clinton Anderson is this. I think for people who are just starting out, that is a great method to go with. And I like him as a person, especially here in these last few years where he kind of explained himself a lot, especially on, when he was on uh, uh, The Gauge, that podcast that he was on. Um, it is a great, simple method, and he gives it as a person who's just a dude talking um he he's a bro he's definitely a bro oh yeah for um, sure. and um as far as new people starting out that want to follow a clinician somebody like clinton anderson is perfect um because he's not going to give you a bunch of fat he, he kind of cuts to the point now he's going to sell you gimmicks and that's usually my biggest problem with a lot of clinicians is that oh you got to have this stick and this whip and this rope and this apparatus and this ball and this treat and this that and the other and I, i'm not all about that but the clinicians that don't do that don't give you information that's designed for the person who is just starting out training a horse. So there's a trade-off. So somebody like Clinton Anderson, and I'll be the first to tell you, would I train a horse following down under horsemanship? No. But if you are starting out and you need those bite-sized type things to fix some problems with your horse, it is perfect. And and for that, there is a market for that. And I have nothing really personally against Clint Anderson. And I have nothing against really any of the others. There's, there's I think there's great from all of them. Pat Pirelli is a fine example. We all like to give Pat Pirelli a load of crap. His method and some of the, the, the stuff he does, is, especially with um, – um, what is the word I'm looking for here? Uh with the horse's brain, I just drew a blank. Neuro, yeah. neuro, do what? The horse now, the left brain, right brain. Yeah, the, he kind of gets down on like a neurological level with the horse, and that is something that honestly is in everybody's method. He just breaks it down scientifically, so you understand it. Yeah, and and I'm, and I'm okay with that. And then you've got somebody like the guy that me and Jess now have a complete love affair with, and we drool over this man. What he is a tall, big old drink of water too, and uh, he's a Canadian trainer that a lot of people hadn't heard of, and that is um, Glenn Stewart. 
But he's a very simple, soft-spoken kind of guy. But I tell you a guy you would love, Rowdy, and that's Mike Major. Yeah. You would. He's just an old cowboy, and I tell you another you'd like too, and that's Craig Cameron. Oh my gosh, but. But going back to what you said, Rowdy, you should definitely come to the Road to the Horse with us again. Like, Ryan and I and my friends, uh, Katie and Lauren, who are both uh, really big horse people, we just sat there and we did exactly what you were talking about. We just sat there and we bounced ideas back and forth. And we, were, we were all like, I wonder why they're doing this. And then someone else would be like, oh, they're probably doing it because of blah, 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 blah. Or, or I, you know, like one time I was like, why would they be, why would they do it that way? Like, that's so, like, in my opinion, you know, like, and then and we really found out most of the time our opinions weren't worth squat, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, you, sure. you know, a couple hours down the road when they're riding them perfectly fine, you guys are like, oh. Because yeah. who was it? Was exactly. it Katie that said that, uh, what are we, we, we're up here bleacher horse trainers. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what I said, too. We were just like, but, you know, like, I would say that, and then Lauren would be like, well, they're doing it because of this just duh. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then we were just sitting up there, and we were, after we were, like, talking smack for a good half hour we just looked at each other and we're like you know we're obviously not as good as like we're not better or even close to as good as any of them down there but it is it is really fun to just kind of like sit back and like analyze why people are doing what and like bounce ideas off of other really cool horse people and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this right now rowdy because the type of people that follow you are definitely gonna be the type of people that are gonna approach you immediately not only that but you kind of stand out I do. I yeah, was, you, you kind of stand out. So there's, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Horse Illustrated. Yeah. But so the the lady that runs their social media found me after the American. And I don't know if you guys know how big the American is. Yes, RFDTV is the American. Okay, well, Jerry World is not small by any means. No. She picked me out by in a crowd and literally came up and grabbed me by the arm and was like, oh my gosh, hi. And I was like, Hi. So, yeah, I, I definitely am an approachable person. I don't know what just happened in the background. Something ate a cat. It will be fine, I promise. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And, oh, and for those that aren't Texans, like Jerry it. World is where the Dallas Cowboys play in Arlington. Yes. But, yes, I definitely – I've experienced it a couple times, and it's been so cool because I, I love when people approach me. And it's happened multiple times that people have come up to me and they've talked to me saying they recognize me, all that stuff. And I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. Well, and that's how I was. So the first time it happened, me and, you know, me and Jess, we went together. So we were kind of hanging out together and everything there. And then uh, I think she went to the restroom and I'm sitting there by a booth and this lady just comes walking up to me. She goes, hey, Ryan. And I'm like, hey. And she goes, I follow you on TikTok. And I go, that's awesome. She goes, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, yeah, if I can get a picture with you. And she goes, awesome. And then another lady, she goes, I wasn't going to say anything, but I follow you too. That's awesome. And then, so so that happened. And then, I don't know, that happened, what, three or four more times, Jess? And yeah. then I'm walk. she goes to do a dressage test. So I'm walking out with some other folks out into the parking lot. And this car just pulls up blowing its horn. The guy rolls down the window and he goes, I follow you on TikTok. You're awesome. And I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> how are you? Uh, so, you know what? We can go and roll in there like celebrities. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know anything about that part of Kentucky, the bourbon is really good. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. It is. And it's, it's beautiful. That whole area is beautiful. Ryan yeah. got a private tour. 
Of, I did. Of all the best, well, he didn't actually get to go in, but my friend drove him around. I have a friend who lives in Lexington. Okay. And he used to work for a horse hauling company in the area, so he's gotten to go on all the super nice big farms. So he took Ryan on a little stroll. I got the private tour and got to see exactly what they mean when they talk about Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah. And it is some beautiful. And I think where I live is beautiful. I wouldn't trade it for nothing, but that's a damn gorgeous ass place up there. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can say it. It's just a damn gorgeous place. Well, I will, I will say if you guys know of any trainers or anything like that, that need a little assistant or somebody that I want to teach the ropes to or whatever, let me know. Cause I need a job. <laughs> well, Rowdy, I actually, I'm, a, I might have an idea. Let me think. Let me think about it. It's not, it's not team roping, but it's yeah. ranch roping, doctoring cattle, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, let me make some, send some messages and see, see what I can get you. I, I would make sure, and this is, this goes out to your listeners as well, Ryan. Is that I know people want to help me out, and I appreciate that. They need to preface and understand that I do have a disability, and that does hinder me in some areas. But I'm also as tough as it comes. But and just, you're wanting to pull your own weight. No, 100%. But they need to know that I'm not – I can't be one of those – it's not that I can't be. I will be one day, but I'm not a top hand right now. Yeah. half my body doesn't work correctly. You're just fingers right now. You're, yeah, I'm you're to be a hand. Now. That's about it. But they need to understand that I am disabled, even though I don't carry myself like I am, but – if they want to approach me about a job or something, they need to understand that there are some limitations there. Absolutely. So we actually, we actually have a guy who ropes with us, mm-hmm. and he he actually has CP too, and uh, he's a super cool guy. If I could get the two of you guys connected, I think that like it would be really cool for you to get to talk to somebody else who's you know kind of come from where where you're coming from, and he actually has his own training business. And everything now, um, him and his wife, man, they, they rock it out. Um, and he's gotten more and more into the roping world and that kind of stuff. And uh, he cracked, he, he, I mean, just some of the best people ever. And um, But I might be able to get you connected there. So let me, let me see what I can do. But I, uh, they would definitely be a great place just because, like, they're so, they, have a very good understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they might be looking. They might be looking for some help. So let me, let me uh, send some messages out. And see what I. I'll send something your way too. I saw something. It was out. It was in Texas. Texas is a huge state. I know. Um, and I I can't remember exactly where it was, but they were actually looking for someone. They had a a, a horse breeding facility, uh, not like the ones that we know about. Jess, this was a. These were ranch horses. Um. And but they were actually looking for some folks just to come in and assist, and uh, it could be a foot in the door. Yeah. So that's the thing, man. Is that my end game is I don't want to do social media, I don't want to do TikTok for a living, and I've yeah. told people that my goal and my dream is to is to be working full time in the Western industry, and bring TikTok along with me. But that that's the end goal is to be working in the Western industry and see what other doors open listen you know it's been good to me and i know i have friends that think oh y'all y'all are just getting rich you know from this i'm not getting paid anything man yeah we're not we're I'm not making, making money. i'm making good content for free yeah so you know and 
I recently uh, have thought about, honestly, for me, for my mental health, mm. is um, I've been debating about there is a and, – and Jess knows the ranch I'm talking about. Um, there's a, a nice here facility, uh, Creek Plantation. And everybody's like, you know, if you call them every week for a few weeks, they'll tell you to come out and they'll find out if your hand or fingers and, you know, they'll they'll put you to work. And so, yeah, so uh, I'm I'm debating about doing that. You know, yeah, if nothing else, maybe a year. Yeah. Run my business on the side and do that for a year. And at least I can say, hey, I cowboyed for a year, you know. There you go. Yeah, we got some we got some really cool people around here. Um, We've got a. A big group of people that I've when I started into the into the roping stuff, man, they're just they're just the best. Anyone who's anyone, I mean, they love to bring people in and um, support each other, you know, the best we can. We have um, we do cowboy church on Sundays at the roping and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is awesome. See, and that's the thing is, I that's that's in my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm I've yeah, gone yeah. to school for ministry, so I like I was telling you that the toughest thing is. And I think just not just within the Western industry, but just the horse industry in general, it is so hard to get into it. If, yeah. if your family or if you don't have somebody that you're very close to has connections that can kind of throw you into the middle of it. Yeah. Because I started this from like the outside, outside looking in. I've kind of creeped my way in there, but I'm still kind of on the outside looking in. And it, it's so hard. Absolutely. I've looked at some jobs of even working at dude ranches, like not even like legit, you know, those Montana, Utah ranches, but like dude ranches and they're expecting you to be a hand. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so hard to be a hand if you didn't grow up around it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. One of my friends, um, one of my friends, she lives the coolest life. Mm-hmm. She is. So she works for like a kind of a touristy company. Mm-hmm. Um, but she works in Alaska in the summertime and then they go to Hawaii in the winter. Oh, wow. And they, do, they take their draft, they have big draft horses and they, um, harness them and they do a bunch of touring, like they do big wagons and stuff. Of, oh, that's cool. For everything that she posts is like the coolest thing ever. I'm like, I want to be you. Well, you know, I was thinking I about all of the things that are, that are important to me and just do that. I was thinking about that too, you know, especially out where Rowdy lives and even in some of the surrounding areas too. Uh, summer dude ranch stuff, especially with your horsemanship getting better and everything else, doing guided trail rides and stuff like that could be a foot well, in the door. It's funny that you mentioned that. I literally had just told Jess while you were off of the deal there that a lot of these dude ranches are wanting people that have like five years experience. Like, they want you, like, even the dude ranches are expecting you to kind of be a hand nowadays. And it's crazy. And it's, it really is because it's like, from, I don't know much about dude ranches, but from what I do know that they're kind of supposed to be like a a stepping stone for people that do want a cowboy for a living. But I feel like that's really hard when these dude ranches are expecting you to come in with experience of it already. Yeah. Which, I mean, I. I do have experience, but I'm nowhere near what somebody would call a hand. Yeah. Well, you know, it and becoming a hand comes with experience. Mm-hmm. And it's just finding, it's just like any other career, any other job. It's just finding somebody who's willing to take that chance and for them to invest their time 
they give you that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, it's like any other. It's a trade like anything else, you know. Learning horses is a trade. So, but with that, guys, it was a pleasure. Rowdy, Absolutely. you know you are welcome. Anytime you want to come on, I know you sent me a message and you're like, "Hey, I want to come back on the show," and I was like, "When?" And I, I know I had to. Times just kept getting mixed up. Hey, um, I will say, man, give me a couple months or maybe a month, and we'll need to do another update so I can tell everybody what I'm doing. That's right. You, you know, you're the 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 now like the um I don't know. I had something really cool in my head and it just went right out. It's the beginning of stages of full blown adulthood. Like just to be brutally honest, it's the beginning stages of full blown adulthood. Of I'm about to finish college and I'm trying to find a way to make a living. I, you know what? It um, you're at a pretty stressful point in your life. Because I I really have had people kind of reach out to me, but it's it's not stuff that I can make a living with. And and I hate to say that, but I'm I'm leaving a, a university with a four year degree. I can't be doing stuff for pennies and nickels. I got to be able to make a living and take care of myself because I got loans to pay off, y'all. There's stuff there's stuff to be paid off. Oh yeah. The, well, and I'm gonna tell you again. I know that uh, my older listeners are gonna go. That's not the hardest point, and I'm just not gonna fill him in on what comes after that. But oh lord, don't I'm just gonna let him think that this is the most stressful time ever. Well, good thing I'm single and ain't got no kiddos. So right now, this is the most stressful part of my life, Ryan. I know. That's right. Ugh. Oof. Oof. As a dad of three. I'm living a good life. I know. I, you know what? I wouldn't trade my youngins for the world. I really good. wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I, would, I just keep telling myself that. I would not trade them for the world. No. I love my girls. I got three little blondes, by the way. and One's as pretty as the other. And I'm going to be in trouble here in a little while. Yeah. Because there's gonna, gonna be there's gonna be some rowdy on guys around their age that are just like me, and you'll yep. see a little boy coming around the house. And you're like, oh lord, yep. that's a rowdy right there. That's, that's right. a rowdy. We're keeping that one away from the house. That that's one's right. not welcomed over here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my god. But I'm gonna tell you guys right now again. Jess, always a pleasure. Rowdy, definitely always a pleasure. Yes, like I say, Jess might as well just be my co-host at this point. She's on every week now. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. Just, yeah. I just put you on the payroll now. Come on, you gotta make that money. Yeah, send me your, send me, yeah, go ahead and send me your social security number. We'll go ahead and get that taken care of. Uh, how's your credit, by the way? Because <laughs> if, if it's shot, I don't want your social security number. Anyway, <laughs> um, Rowdy, buddy, thank you uh, for coming on. I got an idea for something coming up in a few weeks. I want to talk about, and you'd be the perfect guy to talk about it. Hey, dude, just shoot me a message. I will, brother. So, Jess, I look forward to hearing from you. Get my number from Ryan, so that way we can connect and talk about that ranch open stuff and yep. see where that leads. Oh, we'll they made they made friends, y'all. Yeah, mm. that's so sweet. So we will catch you guys next time. Thank you so very much. And for Roddy Colton, Jessamine Rice, I am Ryan Chastain, and thank you for listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes. Bye.